0: And welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared, I'm Stephanie and before we get into it, if you guys listening have ever had any strange or unusual experiences or you have any requests for future episodes, please email them over to us at Scared at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Scottish Scared Pod, and if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share whatever you may be listening. Big thank you to everyone who already has. So, Today is the first episode of the new series, There Has Been a Murder. Yes, I know it's not exactly a very original name, but we did go through a lot and it was the only one that kind of sounded like it had a ring to it. My brother, he suggested Scottish Skeletons, which I did think was pretty cool, but then thinking about it, I was like, hmm, is that really the best name for a series about murders? I don't know. You guys can let me know if you think Scottish Skeletons is a better name. Let me know. But for right now, it is, there has been a murder. Now, the reason that I wanted to make this a separate series was because during my research for an episode last week, I found so many different cases of murder in Edinburgh specifically that I had never heard of, but I was just so intrigued by. There are so many unsolved murders as well that I think you guys would be really really interested in hearing. Obviously, if the series goes to plan... I won't just be talking about Edinburgh, I will widen the scope and be talking about the rest of Scotland and eventually the world. But for right now, I think I'm just going to concentrate on Edinburgh and the ones that I've read about. Also, the reason I wanted to make it separate is because... Murder is a very serious subject, uh, it is not to be taken the piss off, it's not to be laughed about or joked about, it's very serious. My other episodes that I do are more light hearted and fun, they're about ghost stories and mythical creatures and stuff like that and I can kind of take the piss a bit more. So I wanted to make this a separate series because obviously I am not going to take the piss, it is a murder, it's very serious. So that is another reason I wanted to make this very serious and then my other episode, very light hearted and fun. Before I start, I'd also like to thank everyone who contacted me about this series. I think I mentioned in last week's episode, I asked you guys if this is something that you'd be interested in hearing and a lot of you did get in touch and let me know that it was something that you would like to hear. So that's kind of influenced me and inspired me to do it. I did kind of want to stay away from murders because I know sometimes, you know, you can get conflicting stories, there's always two sides to a story and I didn't want to... Do something that would cause disrespect or upset anyone. But I think I'm just going to stick to murders that were, you know, very deep in the past and that I found interesting. That's not to say that I won't span out and do more known cases or more present cases, but for right now, that's where we're going to stay everything in my personal life has kind of calmed down or my work life's calmed down. So I am full steam ahead trying to get you guys two episodes a week. I'm just researching, researching, researching. The more things I look into, the more I'm just spurred on to do it. The things that I've been looking into recently are just so, just piqued my interest really. So stay tuned guys. So no more rambling from me and I think we should just get straight on into it. Now before I start, I would like to say that this case does talk about child murder and neglect. So if that's something that you don't want to hear about or you're just not interested in me speaking about it and it triggers you, please just click off, listen to another episode. This isn't the one for you. If that is something that you're not interested in listening to, click off, go to another one. That's fine. So this week's episode is about the Stockbridge baby farmer and I know that sounds mega grim, but it's probably not as bad as what you're thinking in your head. Although it's absolutely terrible and vile. Uh, It's not, probably not what you're thinking about in your head. So this case centres around a young lady called Jessie Keane who was born on March 27th 1861 in Anderson here in Glasgow. Her father James Keane was a very simple man who worked as a cotton yarn warper and her mother was Mrs Grace Keane and she was just a stay-at-home mother. She also had two older brothers named Peter and John and both parents were illiterate and the schooling at the time wasn't exactly the best. It really wasn't. So their children were no better off than they were, as you can imagine. Jessie's mother Grace sadly passed away when she was only 18 months old so she didn't really get the opportunity to meet her mum she grew up without a mother really and I think that that can affect some people sometimes not having that motherly influence just like when you grow up without a father it can affect you not having that fatherly influence in your life. Um, I think that's why we seek it out in other people and her father went on to remarry. Now her stepmother was not very nice to her and she did mistreat her uh, she wasn't awful but she wasn't very nice and I think that anybody out there who has had a step-parent that doesn't like you I think you know exactly how that feels because I know how it feels, it's not nice. Her father then went on to pass while she was in her teens. So she's in her teenage years, she's never met her mum, she's never had a motherly influence, her father's passed away, she doesn't have any parental influence and her brothers are considerably older and so she's kind of left out here on her own not really knowing what route to go down so at this point she just decided to get herself a job as a mill worker and provide for herself but she soon realized that the working life was not exactly her forte which i know a lot of people like that as well Jessie then appears in edinburgh living at the Magdalen asylum which was a home for fallen women in edinburgh at the time now, the Magdalene Asylum was basically just an institute that worked towards training women, lower class women who really had nowhere to go. Um, they kinda tried to train them in a trade and instill like family values, respectful and respect and stuff like that, and then kinda just put them out into the world as working class, respectful individuals. That was kinda their goal. She was there for eighteen months and while she was there she did learn the trade of a laundress and she did work in laundries which is just such a strange trade. Obviously, at the time, that's a big trade, right? But nowadays, can you imagine being trained in the trade of laundress? But as I said previously, she really wasn't fond of the working life and she did get easily distracted, in particular, by men. Jessie was one of these people, and I, again, think that everybody knows one of them, where they just crave the affection of other people, specifically men. And I think and that is due in part because Jessie doesn't really have parents she doesn't her brothers she doesn't really speak to her brothers she, she doesn't have that family connection and she probably does crave like emotional attachment or you know she just craves somebody to give her attention so that's what happened she's she's drawn to people who give her attention in this case particularly men So as you can imagine, this got her into trouble, and she was shortly found guilty of concealment of a pregnancy, and she was sentenced to several months in prison. That's right, guys, she went to prison because she concealed a pregnancy, which, what the fuck, like, that's bonkers, that is absolutely bonkers. Jessie was then released from prison in 1886 and she quickly found a job as an ironer at Causewayside Laundry which allowed her to move into a house which which was also occupied by Mr Thomas Pearson and his wife. Now at this time Thomas Pearson was 56 years old and Jessie was mid-twenties to late-twenties, I would say mid-twenties, so there is a very massive age gap there. Now Thomas Pearson was originally from Glasgow, but he did use several different names when he moved from place to place, which in itself is very strange. He was from a very well-off respected family, but they didn't really want to take much to do with him because he did not share the same values that they did. He was working his way up from lower class to kind of middle, higher class with his wife and children as a tobacco merchant, but then he eventually turned to drink and slowly lost everything that he and his family had worked so hard for. He left his wife and family and continued to drink his life away unemployed and absolutely miserable and his partner at the time that Jessie moved in had actually been admitted to hospital in Edinburgh and she died there. The doctors suspected that Thomas had beaten her so badly that that was the cause of death but there was no evidence so no investigation was put in place and he was not held responsible so i think we can summarize from that small little thing there that he's not a very nice man he's very i don't know he's a drunk and he's not he's just not a nice man at the time jesse was living there she was in a committed relationship with a man called david calder who he was an all-round very nice man and he had even offered to marry jesse because she was pregnant at the time but instead of agreeing and getting on with her happily married life with David, she was seduced by Thomas the night before his partner's funeral. And this is where it kind of starts to go downhill for Jessie. Now, if she had just said, yes, David, let's get married, let's do this, she probably would have led a very happy, fulfilling life. But she didn't. She chose to go down the other route. And this is just her downfall, basically. As I said before, Thomas was 30 years Jessie's senior and I think that this has a lot to do with the amount of control and influence that Thomas had over her. I mean, he's just convinced her to, like, cheat on her, the love of her life, sleep with him the night before he's burying his partner, which is just fucked up. In May 1887, Thomas and Jessie would move into their own home at 24 Dalkeith Road Thomas pretended to be a relative to Jessie so he'd get money for the unborn child her unborn child and had completely convinced Jessie to break up with David Calder and live out her life with him there we go he's completely brainwashed this girl into leaving the love of her life and grow old with this this horrible man who is 30 years her senior not long after they moved into Dalkeith Road Jessie gave birth to a little girl who they named Grace after her mother but sadly, Grace would completely disappear without a trace. So this is bizarre. She, obviously nowadays, you know that you have to take babies to get vaccinations and stuff like that. So um, a couple of months after Grace was born, there were, there was one or two records of her being vaccinated and, you know, seeing a doctor. And then after that, there's absolutely nothing. So it's as if she completely fell off the face of the earth. Uh, no investigation was ever conducted into this disappearance and it was never reported. Um, And I will go on to tell you why that was pretty common at the time. And it was at this point that they were, you know, completely unemployed uh, and they obviously show great hatred for the usual nine to five. So the pair had decided to go into the business of taking in unwanted or illegitimate children in exchange for money. I would like to say that during this time in this, not this specific area of Edinburgh, but in the area that they're living in, the poverty and the crime are were absolutely rife. So it's safe to say that nobody's really taking notice or that they don't really care that children or even people are going missing. This is sadly something that's pretty common, it happens every day. Also, the selling of illegitimate children is also sadly very common. There would be ads in the newspapers looking for people to adopt these unwanted babies for money. And these women who had illegitimate children would have them taken off them by the authorities and they were given to third-party caregivers. But the mother would still have to provide money for this baby even though it wasn't in her direct care. And as you can imagine, the money that these mothers are receiving from their everyday jobs is it's almost nothing and it was impossible for these women to live on and provide for a child so I can understand why a lot of these women felt that they had literally no other choice but to get rid of their babies Um, as sad as that sounds uh, I, I can see why it was an option and we can see why a baby like Grace going missing isn't exactly priority to the police or Things like that, it's pretty common practice for children to just vanish, which again is very sad. After Gracie's disappearance, Jesse and Thomas would move once again, this time to Anne's Court, where they stayed for a couple of months, and then again to a room in Shane Street. I hope I'm saying that right. It looks like, is it Shane or is it Shane? I'm just going to say Shane Street, Stockbridge in Edinburgh where they would continue to take on children for money. So that was their chosen route of employment. It was just seen to them as a way to make money. I don't think that they actually cared about these children. And Jessie and Thomas were in no way equipped to look after themselves, never mind several babies. Both of them were known to be big drinkers, which, obviously, uh, during these times, Victorian times especially, women are... Women are not really big drinkers, and if you are, it's not exactly something that you want to share with the public. So, both of them are very well known to be big drinkers. I think it's safe to say that these children were going to suffer from neglect and probably worse in some cases. Um, it was pretty, again, common practice at the time to give babies um, whiskey to stop them from crying and screaming. And I'm not talking about a drama whiskey here, I'm talking about spoonsfuls of whiskey. That was really well known as a thing that people did and in the eyes of the law it was not seen as poisoning of a child because it was seen as a medicinal thing. I I think, like, nowadays you know how, I don't know if people still do it these days, but, like, my nana and stuff would say if a baby was teething, like, a drama whiskey rubbed on the gums or something would take away the pain, something like that. So that's, it was known back then to be of medicinal purposes. So if a baby happened to die of, you know, alcohol poisoning or something like that, it wasn't really taken seriously by the law. And this is kind of where things start to get a wee bit messed up. Now, again, this includes the death of children and babies. So if that is something that triggers you, please stop listening now. On October 26th, 1888, a group of young boys were out just playing in the street, dream boys. And they were looking around for something that they could use as a football. One of the boys found a bundle of oilskin in a lane behind Chain Street. uh, Which, it was just kind of like a bundle that was kind of wrapped in twine and it looked like a ball. So they took it and they were kicking it around, everything was fine. And then one of the boys decided to have a wee look inside to see what was wrapped up. And that is when they found the remains of a small baby. Of course, the police were notified and the wee ones' remains were taken in for examination by a pathologist. After conducting the examination, pathologist Dr Henley Littlejohn concluded the child's cause of death was strangulation. The doctor passed this information to the police and a a murder investigation was set up. During this investigation, many of the residents of Shane Street where the remains were found were questioned, obviously. One of the residents, a Mr James Banks, claimed that he was very suspicious of a couple that he had let a property to a couple of months ago. The couple went under the name the Macphersons and he was suspicious because on several occasions he had seen babies being delivered to the residents. Hearing this, the officers quickly questioned the Macphersons and asked to search the room and its coal closet. The female that they questioned completely buckled under the pressure and the paranoia that the police were going to raid this house and look in this coal closet and she just completely lost it and unraveled. She confessed to the muddar and said it was her, it was her and she allowed the officers to enter the property and search the coal closet where they did in fact find the remains of another dead baby girl. was also who was also strangled to death. After they conducted their full search of the the room that they were living in, they also found the remains of a third baby on a shelf wrapped up. So at this point they have the remains of three dead children, unfortunately. And I think we can all guess at this point that the McPhersons are actually Jesse and Thomas. They were going around using all these different aliases and at this point they were using the McPhersons. So the police conducted a full investigation into the babies that they had placed that had been placed under Jesse and Thomas's care and they were able to identify many of them as unwanted children given over to them by unmarried mothers. The baby that was found and used as a football and the two other babies found in the room were also were also unwanted children. So knowing this and knowing that they had bounced from place to place to place, the police ...conducted a search of all their previous lodgings... ...trying to find evidence of any other murders... ...but nothing was ever found... ...and they ripped up floorboards... ...they pulled down walls... ...they looked at you know, grassy patches of grass on each residence... ...and they did not find any other... ...they did not find any other remains. So the police were satisfied that they had three victims on their hands... ...but that is not to say that there weren't more. In a completely unrelated case... A dead baby had been found inside a bonnet box at Abbey Hill Station. Um, there was no suspects in this case and there was n- nobody was ever charged because there was no evidence. It was just a child's remains found in a box. And the police kind of came to the conclusion that it, this could have been Jesse and Thomas as well. And this was ca- quickly added to the list of charges against Jesse and Thomas. So while Jesse and Thomas were in custody and you know the investigation was taking place, Jessie was warned not to divulge or confess anything to do with the crime because she would basically be seen on her fate if she had done so, even though she was guilty. But Jessie didn't listen and she just had a full-blown confession, confessed all the crimes, told them that it was her, that um, Thomas had no idea that Jessie was killing these babies. He had no idea that sh- what was happening to these children. He thought they were just going missing. Like she basically just put all of the blame on herself and Thomas was completely innocent. That was what she said. Obviously they took this confession extremely seriously and when Jessie found out that Thomas had been let out of custody, she just like did a three sixty and completely went back on what she said and tried to withdraw the confession. This time she was claiming that she lied and that Thomas was the one who told her to do it and he was heavily influenced her to do it. He told her what to do to kill the children. He told her what to do to get rid of them. He was a heavy influence in these murders but sadly she was far too late to take the confession back and she had already sealed her fate at this point. Jessie Kim was found guilty of murder of three children at the High Court in Edinburgh and she was sentenced to death by hanging. Now another thing, Thomas actually was... Thomas also acted as Queen's evidence against Jesse, and this gave him full immunity, which is completely disgusting in my eyes because clearly, how could a woman be killing babies in the same room, not in the same house, the same room as another human being, and they have no idea that that is what's happening? It's stupid, it's ridiculous. But because he was Queen's witness against Jesse, he was given full immunity and he couldn't be convicted of any of these crimes. At the time of this case, the hanging of women wasn't really a thing anymore, it was seen as barbaric and they were kind of coming to the end of that, but due to the nature of Jessie's crimes, the public and the courts were all too happy to put her to death in front of a crowd. And a little fun fact for you guys, Jessie Keene was actually the last woman to be hanged in Edinburgh on March 11th, 1889. Now if you've watched anything about Jessie or you've read anything, you'll see that her second name is King. That is because at some point during her life she just adopted that name, but I'm going to say her real name which is Jessie Keen, And she was, as I just said, the last woman to be hanged in Edinburgh. So there's a wee fun fact for you. Jessie's baby son, Thomas, was removed from their care and he was given over to the Catholic Church and by all means went on to live a very normal life. As far as Thomas goes, as I said, he was completely let off scot-free because of Jesse's confession and obviously acting as Queen's evidence against Jesse, which kind of sounds a wee bit familiar. If you've listened to our Burke and Hare episode, you'll know that that's exactly what Thomas Hare did against Thomas Burke to save himself from execution, so a wee bit weird there. After the trial and execution, Thomas moved back to Glasgow, where he died from a fractured skull in 1890. The cause of his fractured skull has never actually been determined, so maybe that was just a wee bit of karma at play, if you ask me. Sadly baby Grace was never found but given the circumstances that she was born into and obviously the heinous acts that this couple had committed I think we can safely assume that baby Grace was probably murdered and disposed of as well which is sad. After her hanging Jesse's remains were buried uh, on the premise of the prison which is now the car park of St Andrew's house which is just an absolutely scenic and lovely resting place. I'm being sarcastic, obviously. But she's still there in Edinburgh today. She's just under a car park and she's part of their history, so... A few of the residences in this story are still standing, but it is very difficult to tell which ones are the original buildings as many have been renovated and some of the addresses, specifically the one in Stockbridge, which is where the babies were found, were not fully disclosed to the media. So for all you know, if you're living in Stockbridge, you could be living in the Stockbridge baby farmer house. So that's pretty creepy. And that's the story, guys. A very sad story, obviously. Um, Jessie and Thomas's actions were completely vile and unforgivable but for some reason I do feel a wee bit sorry for Jessie. She was a very uneducated, poor and vulnerable woman. Uh, Thomas was 30 years older than her and was a complete waste of space. We don't really know if Jessie was the only one who killed these poor wee babies or if it was indeed Thomas but we do know that Jesse was shown no mercy by the public or the media. Important evidence such as the remains of one of the children being found on a shelf that was far too high for Jesse to reach and the fact that one of the other remains were found wrapped in Thomas's jacket were just completely dismissed due to the fact that he was a crown witness. And I think that that's sad that it wasn't investigated and that he was completely let off free because let's be honest here, guys we know that he must have had something to do with it. But important though, I think the times in which these crimes were committed are extremely different to today. I think if this crime had taken place present day, I'm 100% sure that both of them would be convicted and a more thorough investigation of the relationship between them would have been presented because I think that Thomas is extremely manipulative and, you know, I'm not saying that he influenced and manipulated a woman into killing babies. I just think that there are people that, Extremely vulnerable, and you know, are easily manipulated. If you're interested in this case, there was a documentary on BBC, which is no longer online, but you can find it on YouTube. It's called Baby Killer Jesse King. So go check that out if you want a more in-depth and kind of visual look at this. Um, they go into a lot of detail about Jesse and her mental health, and you know, past life. I've kind of just put it all into one wee snippet for you guys but if you want to have a wee bit more of a depth in depth look at it there's that documentary um there's a lot of articles online you can look at as well but that is the case of the stockbridge baby farmer um i hope that you guys found it interesting and that you enjoyed it and i will see you guys on sunday bye guys (laughs)